Hi, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Jill Johnson, and Jill is VP of Human Resources with IDOC. And Jill and I are going to talk about something I think is a real gap in the skill set of, of a lot of employers and, and OD practice owners, and that's how to be a good interviewer. So hello, Jill. Hello. Jill, as you know, what inspired this interview is um, I occasionally get asked to be on an interview uh, committee mm-hmm. or interview panel, which is a handful of people on the IDOC team mm-hmm. that will interview a candidate. And then we convene later to to share our notes and and what our thoughts were on the interview. And, and on one of those calls, we sh- started uh, sharing some best practices mm-hmm. for interviewing. And, and you have more experience than I do. And I, I really learned a lot from you on that call. And I, I thought that that would benefit others who are perhaps just winging it when it comes to interviewing. And and I think you'll agree that interviewing is not a perfect science, but I think we can really uh, shift the odds in our favor of hiring somebody who's going to be a good fit if we better understand what constitutes a good interview. So yeah, maybe yeah. before we jump into the questions, uh, for people who don't know you, maybe just give a little bit about yourself and, and your role with IDOC. Yeah, thank, thanks, Steve. Uh, I joined IDOC in 2019, uh, new to um, the eye care industry, but not new to HR. I have 20, 20 plus years of human resources experience, uh, uh, large and, and small businesses. So I, I come with a, really a breadth of um, HR experience working with different industries um, that I brought to IDOC. So Jill, it, it, we jump in here. Something I hear a lot is that when we put a, a job ad out there, we get overwhelmed with a mm-hmm. lot of resumes mm-hmm. from some of the more popular sites. And you have to weed through a lot of them because a lot of them might not necessarily be a good fit for, for mm-hmm. that position. So I, I'm just curious, before calling a candidate to schedule an interview, what, what do you look for in a resume? Yeah, that's a good question because that is that is the first step of the interview process. And some some roles we 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 see a lot of traffic, a lot of resumes come through. Some um, more niche roles we may not see as many resumes, but that is the first important step for identifying a, a qualified candidate. And so, what I typically look for in a resume is one: is it easy to read? Um, for most recruiters, most hiring managers. I mean, you're talking about less than 30 seconds that they're giving um, or the impression that they uh, have on a candidate through their resume. And that's 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 accurate. I, I spend very little time um, scanning through a resume. So the first thing I look for is, you know, is it constructed well? Is it easy to read? Is it easy to follow the, the career progression? The, the years of experience, the type of experience that they have. Um, do they have a LinkedIn um, link on their on their resume? That's very helpful because that just tells another part of the story. If I can go to their LinkedIn profile in addition to their resume um, and a look at education, the grammar errors are um, a no-no. <laughs> so uh, especially if we're looking for position um, that needs to be precise. Let's say we're looking to fill a bookkeeper position, um, a grammar error or multiple grammar errors might be indicative of something um, um, 
more serious, um, that maybe somebody is not as organized or attention to detail, and that competency may be a key competency um, or is a key competency that we would look for in, say, a bookkeeper role. So when you put a job ad out there, I think one of the main objectives is to get somebody interested in in mm. that job. You want to get somebody in. That's what I tell um, a lot of the the ODs that we work with. When I look at the job ad, it, a lot of them look just like every other ad I see. And especially when you're recruiting for something like an associate, which are in high demand mm -hmm. these days, a lot of times I'm trying to move the focus toward, let's make it sound like a more attractive opportunity. So it's not something they just scan over. Because I think people looking at job ads do the same thing. They can just mm -hmm. scan them over real quickly. So getting someone in for an interview, that becoming the goal, what prep work? Because you don't want to drop the ball there either, because that's kind of the next phase of the, mm -hmm. the recruiting process. What prep work should an employer do prior to the interview? So prior to the interview. So so something that we do at, at IDOC, and I, I learned this um, later in my career, so uh, many early in my career and, and many hiring managers or those that are new to hiring, um, whether they're a recruiter or, recruiter or a hiring manager, um, they'll just cut and paste the job description right onto the job ad. And I learned later in my career that I get similar to, you know, to a recruiter spending little time on a resume, candidates will also spend a little time on scanning through many opportunities that show up, whether it's on, D on Indeed or LinkedIn. So um, it's a good practice to keep those, um, I call them job profiles versus job descriptions. So our job descriptions internally tend to be longer, um, more in depth, where our job profile or job ad is very different. And we do, um, we brand it, we use our internal IDOC brand, we include our link, to great place to work. And we've heard from a lot of candidates that they've gone to our website, they've gone to our link um, uh, to great place to work to learn a little bit more about us because we have to remember candidates are interviewing us as well. So how does your brand show up in the market? So if you can brand that before you actually start the interview process, that's step number one. And we do that and we do that at IDAC. We brand our job ads. And we make it attractive in the sense of give, give your candidates a sneak peek into the life of the role or the life of the role at IDOC. And that's what we've heard from candidates that have interviewed for IDOC is they had a pretty good feel of our culture, um, our benefits, um, who we are as leaders because we post our videos also on our website. So if a candidate can come to that first conversation already knowing a little bit about who you are, that makes that initial conversation a lot easier and they become and they come to the table more relaxed. I like a few things you pointed out from both ends. The um the candidate having something on their resume like the like a LinkedIn profile, because you again, excessive amount of information might sound good on one hand, but if nobody's going to take the time to, to go through all that, it's all for nothing. But having something that mm -hmm. connects to something broader, if I really like your resume, now I can take a deeper dive and, and go look exactly. at your LinkedIn resume. But the same yeah. with a video, having a job ad where people can, can go mm -hmm. look at the website, look at a video can be really impactful too, um, from both sides. Right. So, and, if you, and if you're thinking about, say, any, any business or, and if we're talking specifically about uh, a practice, um, a video is easy to do. You can just do it from your phone and, 
and, and put it on your Facebook um, page or, or your website. Um, and you can even interview some of your employees um, and your practice and, and load that up on your website. And it gives, again, a, a sneak peek into the life of uh, what, it would, what it would be like to work in the practice. And I wish we could just get rid of the stock photos on websites <laughs> because it's so, it, right. it, you know, I, again, you might want to go as somebody who's looking to work at a, at a practice, mm -hmm. it, it humanizes it to have pictures of you, your staff, your mm -hmm. dog, you know, a video, some, some offices have like a practice profile video. I think it really helps you stand apart to have those, that, that collateral out there. Exactly. So we mentioned before, this is certainly not a perfect science and these numbers probably aren't absolute, but I had read once before that the, and, and I know we use behavioral-based interviewing as, mm -hmm. as one of the strategies. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit, but um, mm -hmm. the, tri I, I don't know what you'd call it, traditional interviewing or non-behavioral-based that, that mm -hmm. there was very low odds of finding somebody who's going to be a good long-term yeah. fit when you're just asking. And this is where I think a lot of employers in our industry will just ask, you know, what days are you available? When can you yeah. start? What are your dilation mm -hmm. preferences? But that really doesn't tell me anything about the person's character, the person's ethics, attitudes, mm -hmm. behavioral-based questions can bump that up to, yeah. again, I, I don't know where this number came from, but about 60%. So it's still not mm -hmm. great, but from 10% to 60% is a considerable improvement mm -hmm. of getting somebody who's going to be a good fit. So um, that, that's just one example, but um, maybe you could expand, expand a little bit on that or other things that can be done to improve the chances of a successful hire. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think you hit on it is, and I've always um, used this, this term is, is recruiting is, is both an art and a science. Um, the science is um, the easy part. It's is you look at the resume, you look at um, you know the the time in the role, the education, skills, certifications. Um, that's the science um, part of recruiting. And then there's the behavioral science part of interviewing, which is um, more of the art, uh, where you're using. Um, you're you're trying to deploy as many resources as you can to understand who that person is, and and do they align? Do they align with the role um, expectations, and do they align with the culture of the organization? So you talked a little bit about behavioral interviewing, and that's just one tool that you can use. And behavioral interviewing for those that are not familiar with it, it's really just asking the question in a way. How did you behave in this situation in your past em employer? So we might ask, hey, were you ever confronted with um, an ethical dilemma um, with a previous employer or previous supervisor? And then how did you overcome that ethical dilemma? And by asking those behavioral-based open-ended questions, it leaves opportunity for the candidate to share more about who they are as a character and you're able to, as the hiring manager, you're able to see how they might behave. We're looking at an ethical dilemma, how they might behave if they were they were confronted with a similar situation in your business. And so it's past behaviors are typically indicative of future behaviors. And that's why we use behavioral-based interviewing. It just helps to identify, to your point, the character of the person and whether they're not going to, whether they're going to be a good fit for the role or for the company. And I think it, well, I don't think, I I, I know it 
helps initially getting really clear on what qualities you're looking for, mm-hmm. because it's hard to really go into an interview with a, the, the mindset of behavioral base if you don't really know what you're looking for in the beginning. So we have at IDOC what we call core values, which we, mm-hmm. w- which we give a lot of consideration to when we're hiring somebody. Do they have those same core values that's going to make exactly. them a good fit? So I think right. it's worthwhile if you don't have that, really spending some time thinking about that. What qualities are we looking for? Empathy, team players, Getting exactly. really clear on, on just a handful of things. You don't need 27 right. different core values, but having three or four things that are somewhat non-negotiable, then that's what you're looking for in the interview. That's that's what good behavioral-based interview questions can really help um, uncover. Right. And I, and I think you you touched upon an important part, which is that that cultural fit. Um, and we, we do that and we to your point, we, we do um, hold that in high regard, especially when you are screening candidates or qualifying candidates for the role. We want to ensure that they're a cultural fit for IDOC because they could be a fit for the role, but they may not be a fit for, for IDOC. Um, and so that's something that's really important. So do their does their values, their core values, do they match up with ours? And something that's really um, important to understand as what I'm seeing in terms of trends, um, not only in the market, but trends I'm hearing directly from um, our candidates that are interviewing at IDOC is um, culture is becoming a one of the defining factors for a candidate making a decision whether or not they're going to accept the job or even entertain um, an application for a position. And it's surprising um, that in the last two years, it just has become more and more important um, for candidates. So I think for interviewing for cultural fit, talking about your culture with candidates is, is important. Jill, I've heard that over and over, even with the limited time I've spent interviewing candidates, mm-hmm. the ones that that we did hire later said, mm-hmm. I chose this job. I had other offers, but I chose this one because it seemed like a great fit, a great culture that I wanted to be a part of. So yeah. There's a lot to be said, again, through the recruiting process, and we'll get to that in a little bit, is we're looking to identify the right qualities in a in a candidate, but they're they're sizing us up too. Absolutely. As employers. Um, let's talk about hiring mistakes. And I, I'm sure we've, we've all made them along the way. There's a lot of them out there. I'll share one with you that I heard at one point. It, it seemed to make a lot of sense after I heard it. It was to not reveal too much information in the very beginning. Mm. Because a lot of times people in interviews are, they're, you, you want genuine feedback. What you don't want is somebody who's just feeding you information they think yeah. you want to hear. So to sit down initially, and I think this is a, a, the way a lot of interviewers approach the interview initially is they describe the job and they describe what they're looking for and describe what type of person they're looking for. Ah. We're looking for somebody who's good at multitasking and values customer service and likes working with people. And this has potential to shape the feedback, the answers you get from the other person. I don't want what you think I want to hear. I want Mm -hmm. genuine feedback. So um, what are some common hiring mistakes that that you've discovered? Yeah, um, I I think there's a number of them and and I've made these mistakes as well. Um, So, and I've seen hiring uh, managers make those mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. And I I think the the number one mistake um, that I would say is not following your gut instincts. I've done it myself. I've seen other um, hiring managers do this. It's going back to that art and science and relying too much on the science and not relying on your gut. Because I've been in many situations where 
a manager's after they hire somebody and the hire is not a fit, like, well, yeah, I, I sort of felt that way. And like, oh, you should have followed your gut instinct. Um, because your gut that, again, we're, this is all human behaviors and whether it's body language or how somebody answered the question, or there's something nagging in the back of your mind about a response that a candidate gave you that just didn't feel right. Um, just trust your instincts. Um, and, and balance that, balance that with the science part of the interview process, but trust your instincts. And um, it's, um, sometimes that's hard. I think also, um, I, I think making uh, an experiences early in, in my career is, is making um, decisions or moving through the recruiting process too fast. Because especially when you lose somebody, they leave your organization for another job. And initially there's this, there's a sense of urgency that I have to fill the position quickly. And sometimes that sense of urgency can lead to a bad hire because you're just looking to fill that position and not looking to fill it with the right person. Um, because in the end, if you fill it with the right person, they're going to stay longer with the organization. They're going to bring greater value to the organization. So that's that's a, a common um, a mistake. And um, something that you touched on, which is another, um, it's just, it, it's it's how we've been trained. And, and I'll put myself in, in, in that camp of how to interview it, that it's this one-sided um uh, experience that the interview is that the interviewer is is the person that has um, sort of the power at the table, and and that shouldn't be the case. Uh, at IDOC, what we try to do, and what I've learned through my years of experience, is we really want this to be uh, a partnership because, as you mentioned, the candidates interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing them, and we want this to be more of a dialogue. As soon as the balance, if there's any um, sort of imbalance in the in a power position, then the candidate doesn't feel like they're part of the process, and you're not really engaging with the candidate. And the more you create a dialogue with that candidate, you're actually going to get a lot more information out of that candidate and get to know who that person is. Um, because if you're doing all the talking <laughs> as the recruiter and you're not allowing that time for dialogue or allowing that candidate to ask you questions, it's a missed opportunity. I, I love the part about the gut instinct. Your gut knows what's going on. And it's the longer yeah. you do this, I think it's that your brain logs away a lot of stuff that it's yes. subconscious. You don't even know where mm -hmm. it's coming from, but it's your brain trying to tell you that do this or don't do that. And a lot of times there's really something to be said for that. Um, so I, I like that approach, uh, and in, in things have changed a lot in, in the labor market, especially they, they were already changing, but having gone through now COVID and mm, yeah, such a, what, whatever we want to call it, labor shortage or the, the shift in wherever the shift in, in labor and where the jobs are at now, has that affected the interview process and the way employers need to engage during interviewing? Yeah, um, I, I believe so. I, something that I'm seeing more of, we started doing this early at, at IDOC because during the height of 
the um, the pandemic, we we moved to remote. So that's one of the reasons why um, we were earlier in that. In our job ads, um, we do promote flexibility. Um, we do promote that you know we offer remote work, and that that attracted candidates um, for us at IDOC. And so what I'm seeing now um, and hearing from colleagues within my space, um, my profession, is that we're employers are now adding um, flexibility, um, whether it's remote or hybrid or any sort of flexibility um, onto their um, their job ads when they're placing. And that has now become a value added benefit in addition to vacation and, and sick time uh, benefits, 401k match is that's now part of that whole whole total sort of total compensation package because um, candidates are, are are now looking at that um, in since you know COVID and and the outcome of what COVID has um, um, presented and so we 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 do that to attract um, our candidates I doc and we put that on on our job ads. I'm noticing that more in eye care too. I think five years ago, if you had suggested flexible work mm. arrangements in eye care, ODs practice owners would have laughed at that that idea. But now we are seeing some for for. There's only a certain number of roles that would even that that would even be practical for. But in right. some cases, an, uh, an office manager, maybe a biller, and it's even if it's not ideal, I'm 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 seeing more willingness to be flexible now with um with employers to be able to to attract and retain more people i, I want to close out with one last question here as, as we're talking things through and the assumption that the interviewing or the that the interview process is a process of trying to track somebody who's going to be a good fit but you could actually hire somebody who could potentially be a great fit but drop the ball after so mm -hmm. and i know some at idoc we do really well is a lot of communication a lot of meetings setting expectations a lot of feedback back and forth. So I, I think that's really critical to a successful hire too, is not just getting yeah. the right person in there, but yeah. making sure that there's a lot of communication moving forward. Could you could you right. speak to that? Yeah, I, I, th I think that is, um, I'd like to think that that is a key factor of why candidates, um, we have a really high um, track record of acceptance uh, at, at IDOC. Um, we're not 100%, but we're pretty pretty close. Uh, to 100% acceptance. Uh, and that I believe is attributed to how we organize our interview process, how we educate our, our candidates and how we communicate to our candidates. Communications is key. Um, the moment you talk that first outreach to a candidate, that's their onboarding experience. That's their first experience with your company. Um, and if it's a great experience that they have during that, that candidate experience, you're gonna to get to pull that through um, to their first day of hire and they're gonna be excited. And so we are, I, I'm regularly, um, whether it's myself or we, we have um, another person at IDOC that does recruiting between the two of us, um, we're the lead recruiters at IDOC, we um, regularly um, communicate to the, to the candidates of, Hey, this is what you can expect. This is who you're going to meet. This is who they are. Um, this is how we communicate at IDOC. These are the benefits at IDOC. I mean, we are very transparent as much as we can be 
um, with the candidates. And what we hear consistently from a candidate's like, they get this feeling of our culture because they see it through our actions. They get to meet with different colleagues and they hear the same story about who we are. And that also gives them confidence that, oh, this is, this is true. This is everything that I'm seeing on the website is I'm actually experiencing this through the candidate experience. And I think that's why we have a really good track record on um, acceptances and um, something, you know, going back to the comment about or the question about mistakes. I think a common mistake as it relates to this topic is the, the drop or the gap in communications because a candidate, any candidate going through an interview experience, it can be stressful. It can be filled with anxiety, especially if somebody doesn't have a job. And so what we want to do at IDOC is make them feel comfortable, give them all the tools and the knowledge they need um, to make a good decision. And gaps in communication, so if you're not following up with a candidate or there's a long weekend that goes by and you're not touching base with a candidate, candidates will start to create stories in their heads about what the interviewer is thinking, or I'm not going to be hired. And now I'm going to consider another position that's being offered to me. And that's what happens. Yeah. You've got to deliver, right? You can't just say that we are a XYZ company that believes in this. Um, but, but actually, as they say, walk the walk. Right. Right. Well, Jill, this has been great as I knew it would. Um, you know, when I look at the company, I've been with uh, this company for for several years, and I just look at the like winning the or the the prestigious great place to work designation. I, I really applaud the work that. Um, and I know it's a team effort, but I think when you're VP of HR, you get you know <laughs> I'll give you more. I'll give you a lot of credit for that, and and the the leadership team especially for really all the hard work that goes into. Um, what's, what's a, a, not an easy job is, is building a culture and, and maintaining it. And it's, okay. you know, as, as with any, any business, it's something that needs a lot of, you know, like a plant getting watered. It's something that le- needs a lot of effort all so the time. True. It's real easy to lose. And yeah, I, so I, 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 it's so funny that you said it because I, I always, I, I, when I talk about culture, it is like a garden. Mm-hmm. You have to weed it. You have to nurture it. You have to fertilize it. Yeah. It is, it, it's, it, it takes work. Um, and I think many companies or, or if you don't, if you're a small company or a small business and you don't know how to create that culture, it, it can be, it can feel overwhelming because it's nebulous. It's like, how do you do that? How do you create, how do you nurture? Um, but it's possible to do it. And, and I think we've, um, we've proven that at IDOC. Well, thank you so much, Jill. Um, yeah. the, the hard work you do. And I, and I know um, people that are in positions of hiring, retaining and, and managing people will, will get a lot out of this, especially in the current work environment. So yeah, I really, really appreciate um, you providing me the platform, uh, Steve. And um, as always, you're just a wonderful interviewer. <laughs> I, I appreciate having the, the conversation with you. Thank you so much. And Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll close out here. So if you would like more information about IDOC and how we work with ODs, 
and on this topic, how our HR consultants can work with you on, on very similar topics as we've been discussing. Uh, you can find out more at idoc.net. So thanks again, and we will see you next time.